the Cell Phone Junkie Podcast, episode 493 for November 22nd, 2015. Sprint rebrands its enhanced network to LTE Plus alongside new rate plans and free tablets for customers. Apple Pay launches in Canada and Australia. And a question about fitting the iPad into your workflow. My name is Mickey Papillon. And I'm Joey Coppas. Brought to you each week by the Cell Phone Junkie podcast application. Available now for Android, iOS, and Windows Phone 8 for $1.99. Well, starting off the show, the FCC wants to see wireless emergency alerts used more efficiently and proposed this week several changes to improve them. Wireless emergency alerts have been used since 2012 to warn people when severe weather or other safety threats are present and also alert about missing children and deliver other information all via text message. Now, in a notice of proposed rulemaking, the FCC suggested the maximum length of messages should be increased to 90 characters, excuse me, from 90 characters to 360 characters, so more information can be conveyed in a single message. It also wants to see the phone numbers and URLs of relevant uh, information systems passed on in that message as well. It also wants to see uh, the new class of alerts for governments to convey public safety advisories such as boiling water uh, when necessary and also wants local and state governments to be able to send out test alerts. The proposed rules would mandate that wireless network operators deliver messages to a more granular region. The proposals are intended to promote a wider use of effectiveness and life-saving services, especially for state and local authorities to convey important information to their communities. Uh, It also hopes that the new rules will ensure that more informative messages reach only those for whom the content will be relevant. So uh, I think it's really interesting because obviously over the last couple of years, I've seen a number of these messages come out and um, I I think they're really, really great. But every time I get them, I think, wow, I really think there could be more of these that come out and then promptly forget about it. So it sounds like the FCC is thinking about this quite a bit. Yeah, it is. You know, it's like it, it's, it's good in theory, but then also I start thinking, well, what happens when they start sending too many messages or, or when, what if it starts getting to be, you know, I'm thinking years down the line when all of a sudden, you know, local politicians start deciding that uh, they're campaigning. So, but since uh, campaign rules, oh, let's just add that into the text messaging too. you know, come vote, come do the, you know, I start thinking of the worst case scenario of some of these, uh, of these things. So I'm, I'm the, the, the weather stuff is really nice to see that. And the only time I've really ever have seen to activate is for flood flood warnings in my area and i'm not sure why i never get storm warnings or anything else but uh, that's all i've seen so far uh, coming from the the text alert messages yeah perhaps that's what i've seen as well obviously I'll, I'll get the ones for amber alerts too which is you know certainly good to see um it is interesting isn't it though if you have not opted out which i think most people have not um how everybody's phone just goes off all at the same time and it's kind of this interesting kind of harmony of the same you know tone that happens across whatever room you're sitting in yeah and of course that's kind of annoying too because if you are in a room where you're, you're supposed to be quiet and all of a sudden the phone start howling that is kind of an obnoxious uh, thing as well no, oh, indeed. Uh, but uh, either way, I think it's uh, I think it's a good thing for the the FCC to to be pushing forward with, you know, essentially making these things a lot more granular. Um, it certainly makes sense to have stuff that's localized to a specific region. But even getting further, they can easily do this via tower, especially if you're trying to pass on information about what's happening in a certain, let's just say, one mile radius or something like that. So uh, obviously, they're going to be taking into account the different ways that they can leverage the technology appropriately. That's right, and of course, uh, when you 
I had no idea there were only 90 characters. I mean, this thing is fairly new. How could they have been so, I wouldn't say short-sighted, but how, how could they have thought 90 characters was going to be enough for these messages? That does not make any sense to me. Even 360 seems ridiculously small uh, as far as the, the character count for messages. So, I mean, they should quadruple that, triple it, uh, you know, more than that even, because you definitely you know, why not? This is not like this is massive, mass amounts of data here that you need to get to these phones, especially if they're going to be, um, you know, messages that could be absolutely critical. I think, I think, well, at least in my thinking of that is you wouldn't want to have so much information that someone just, you know, ultimately just stops reading it because it's too much. And I guess that's where URLs come in is that if they want to pass on additional information or resources and that type of information, they can do so via link. So I suppose what they should go, like you said, you know, you can do it by tower, but they should probably take it one step further and create uh, geofences kind of thing where the message itself may be tied into the phone's uh, current GPS location. So it is, doesn't even have to rely on towers to be able to get this particular information because I start thinking of all the devices that are on these uh, uh, Wi-Fi networks now where you may not even be connected to cellular um, and like, I don't know if your T-Mobile phone connects to the cellular network when these no. things are happening. So, uh, then I start thinking that maybe they need to have the GPS coordinates and the, you know, these messages are tied to a, you know, a circle circle or a County line or something where, uh, the devices can, uh, process these informations, come in and either, you know, display them on the screen or not. That's a really good point. And yeah, it's interesting with, uh, how, um, you know, how a lot of my, uh, the, these Wi-Fi calling things are, are going to factor into this because certainly, um, there's, there's a couple of things that are happening. So when you have a, um, when you've got the, say the T-Mobile Wi-Fi service, you're essentially just on a, a router. And so it's, you, you're left up to your own devices really, uh, as far as where you are. But if you are using one of the T-Mobile products, you register those at a specific address. And so essentially it shows up as that device is coming from a specific address. And so that makes, uh, makes it a little bit easier, but, um, but certainly I, I can see this as being, um, you know, being a little tough here when you, when you do register for the Wi-Fi calling on the device, one thing I will tell you is you put in your home address. That's one of the questions that it asked you. And so I guess it assumes that if you're calling emergency services, that's the address that it's going to show up from, but you know, you're calling it, you know, 911 from who knows where. Uh, and so I guess the, you know, the, 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 the conscious thought with that is if you're using it on wi-fi it's probably because you're at home but that doesn't necessarily always you know work out that way but either way kind of interesting uh kind of a twist on this and where this is going to go but uh again uh you know i think these these new rules will be in place probably sometime in 2016 uh, although of course we'll follow them very closely as we continue to move down this path for further communication with our mobile devices AT&T on Wednesday announcing a new application called Recharge, allowing customers voice minutes and texts for customers in other countries. Uh, this is essentially a service for postpaid AT&T customers. You can connect friends and family uh, to their prepaid accounts in their home country and send them money uh, to those accounts. So AT&T uh, is obviously interested in uh, buying airtime credits um, for these different services and, and allowing you as a customer to pass on uh, that, that credit over to them. Uh, you can do it in 10, 15, 20 or $30 increments and you can do it over a, a wide variety of countries including Mexico, Belize, Ecuador, Peru among many others. Um, the account credits will be applied to voice messaging and data services and uh, AT&T is limiting transactions to one per month and they're billed at AT&T or directly to AT&T's 
customers' postpaid accounts. Now, uh, it seems a little odd, but at the same time, you know, I guess the the thinking is if you are someone who is here in the United States and you've got, and obviously as we just read off the countries, mostly in South America here, Central and South America, uh, you've got friends or family that are down there and they need to have credit for their account so that you can talk to them uh, rather than trying to send uh, over uh, some sort of, you know, check or money order or whatever it is. You can just do this directly from one account to another as obviously communication is vital. And so it, it sort of makes sense. It's a little little strange, a little obscure, but uh, certainly I bet we'll have uh, a, a few people that'll be using this one. So very interesting, at least in concept there. Uh, Verizon announcing this week that customers can get an additional one gigabyte of mobile data to use during the last two billing cycles of this year. Uh, this is through their thanks uh, Thanksgiving or gifting promotion or something like that. Uh, the uh, one gig promotion can be redeemed online and will be added to the customer's account immediately. So check that out. Uh, free gigs of data if you're a Verizon customer. Sprint announcing this week that beginning on November 20th, AT&T, T-Mobile, and Verizon customers who switch the number over to Sprint will save 50% off their old rate plan. At least that's what they want you to believe. The 50% savings will be available to switchers through January 8th of 2018, and the carrier is also offering up to $650 in reimbursements for early termination fees and other fees, but requires new customers to trade in their old smartphone. So the promotion is limited to a maximum of 10 lines per account, and subsidized devices require an extra $25 per month fee. So keep that in mind. It's 50% off, but you still have to pay for a subsidized device. Uh, The half rate plans do not extend to unlimited music and video streaming, data carryover, tethering, or cloud services. Mobile hotspot consumption is also pulled from a shared data plan. Uh, The discount does not apply to taxes, surcharges, add-ons, apps, premium content, or international services. Discounts vary based on the rates charged by AT&T, T-Mobile, and Verizon. Not all rate plans apply to be discounted. And Sprint is offering a similar this uh, as a similar promotion to the one they ran last year. The main difference being that T-Mobile is included in the offerings this year. So um, at the very least, some cheaper prices from Sprint if you choose to switch over to them. Yeah, so just be careful because, yes, the, the discount isn't just a flat 50% off depending on what, what the situation is and the devices and all that. So it's really, you do have to be really careful with this particular plan and just not assume that you're going to cut your bill in half by switching. Yeah, I was thinking about, you know, or kind of looking at what they were offering up there. And one of the, the T-Mobile ones that they were talking about was, um, I can't remember if it was six, I think it's six gigs now for $70 and they'll, they'll charge you $35 for it. And I thought, well, that's actually, you know, that's pretty good. And then I thought, well, okay, but you're, then you're not getting you're not getting all of the I'll just say the add-ons that T-Mobile gives you. Um, and further, I have 10 gigs of data for fifty dollars plus all of those add-ons. So that's kind of what Joey's saying here is that it, it it they are definitely charging half price for certain plans, uh, and so they are definitely less in many cases and probably most cases than most people uh, are paying right now. However, it just again understand what it is that you're getting into, and then of course if you're buying a new phone, uh, you're going to have to pay for that. If you're subsidizing the phone through some sort of plan, you're going to have to have that tacked on. So you've got all these different things that are going to add up. It's it's not just as simple as as maybe they make it sound, but uh, certainly there are uh, some some savings to be had if you choose to make a switch over to them. 
Also, this week, Sprint rebranded its LTE network in an effort to bring attention to a revived deployment. Sprint says LTE Plus will be the new name for its outdated Sprint Spark network, uh, though still promoting the same tri-band setup of 800 megahertz, 1.9 and 2.5 gigahertz spectrum that it's been using over the past few years. The network, though, has been optimized for performance, also raises the bar with the underlying carrier aggregation and beam forming technology. Sprint says that improvements have doubled network capacity and speeds to over 100 megahertz bits per second across all three bands. The enhanced network is currently available in 77 markets with 13 Sprint devices supporting the initiative. And finally from Sprint, current customers will be getting their hands on a free tablet and a free year of service for their loyalty to the carrier. This offer is meant to offset the deal we just talked about, 50% off rate plans that are being given to new customers only who switched over to Sprint. The free tablet and service are only available while supplies last, and they have there have not been any uh, mentions of what type of tablet or what type of rate plan are being offered as part of this giveaway. T-Mobile officially launching Binge On this week. The carrier is offering a free optimized streaming video. FCC Chairman Tom Wheeler commented on the launch, saying that it's clear the open internet order that in the open internet order that we said we are pro-competition and pro-innovation. Binge On meets both of those criteria. Wheeler said the agency will keep an eye on the program to see how it plays out in the market. So uh, kind of the, the thinking on this one here is this is about as close to an approval of uh, this program that the FCC is really going to give to this, uh, especially as it relates to net neutrality. They're not going to come out and say this doesn't violate net neutrality or anything, but they're basically saying with this statement, yeah, we're okay with what they're doing. Yeah. And the, uh, you know, like we talked about last uh, week, Mickey, you know, the fact that they're giving to you for free add on, you know, that's okay. But if it was the other way around, no, then it's not okay. So, and that's essentially what the, uh, you know, the FCC said, they gave them kind of the the green light saying this is a uh, you know this is competitive and uh, it, you know this is what you can do because you're not you know restricting any sort of uh, data or charging different rates for the data itself. Yeah, and uh, you know, I I obviously was very interested on this as a T-Mobile customer. So um, I logged onto my account, and indeed, under my I think it was under profile, saw that Binge On was turned on, and so I fired up Netflix, turned off Wi-Fi, fired up Netflix, and uh, and binged on for all of about thirty seconds. And uh, I said, "Yeah, look at that! It's, uh, it's, it works. <laughs> it works." <laughs> and you know what? I couldn't really tell that big of a difference because you know what? It's a four-inch screen. <laughs> I have no idea if it actually looked any worse or not, but it was smooth and i guess that is that is the one thing that uh you know you could you could argue about this is that you will probably have smoother video because it's less bandwidth that's it's being consumed by this and you're able to have a an overall better experience so but again it's such a small screen what does it matter anyway uh very interesting stuff though uh that uh that it's, it's it, the way that they're doing it so there you go uh, Metro PCS Monday announcing new features similar to those offered by parent uh, T-Mobile. T- uh, Metro PCS customers will now have access to Music Unlimited, which is much like T-Mobile's Music Freedom. Uh, let's customers stream unlimited music over LTE without impacting their monthly data allotment. Music Unlimited is compatible with 33 different streaming music services and is available to in the $40, $50, and $60 plans. Metro PCS is also now offering a service called Data Maximizer, delivering a threefold increase in the amount of video users can stream over LTE. Uh, with data maximizer turned on customers can watch more data each month at dvd quality i.e very much like binge on but uh, video consumption is not unlimited however data maximizer compresses 
the video, the amount uh, to uh, consume less network data, and so it impacts the customer plan less. Uh, customers also can toggle data maximizer on or off whenever they want. Third and lastly, Metro PCS has added more data to its service plans. So moving forward, there are four plans for single and family lines. Entry level is $30 a month, includes unlimited talk, text, and a gig of data. $40 gets that plan up to three gigs, and uh, that includes unlimited uh, music unlimited and data maximizer. The $50 plan bumps data to five gigs from four gigs and includes music data, uh, music unlimited and data maximizer. And finally, $60 will give you unlimited data, eight gigs of mobile hotspot data, which is up from six gigs and also music unlimited and data maximizer. Family plans are $5 less per line when two or more lines are associated with a single account. Now, this is great. You know, they've got, you know, T-Mobile's, Metro PCS, they have all these plans, but this seems kind of confusing. Why don't they just roll this into T-Mobile instead of continuing with the Metro PCS brand where these plans are very similar with kind of the same, you know, specs and same data, uh, you know, whereas I think back to like Sprint and their Virgin Mobile when they finally did buy Virgin Mobile, you know, that was the prepaid side of things. And, and you know, the brand was very distinct. They, did, they didn't have, you know, really the same products, at least at first. It's kind of melted into that a little bit more so. But to me, it just seems like this is, isn't this like a waste of resources, you know, have a whole separate brand and different plans and all this uh, on top of it. I don't have a good answer for that because I totally agree with you. It doesn't seem like it's uh, it, it's it, it's worthwhile in, in this venture, but um, you know certainly they are they're going after a customer who's you know maybe a little bit more value conscious here, and uh, you know they're gonna they're gonna see the value in having these things, and you know can deal with uh, you know only a gig of data, um, and uh, so they're they're interested in only spending thirty dollars a month. I don't think T-Mobile's got a plan that dips down that low, so uh, without going into a true prepaid plan, and so. Um, you know, perhaps that's that's where these come from, but uh, I, I don't know. I, I'm kind of with you there. It, it does seem a little confusing, and I'm I'm sure at some point they're going to get uh, all rolled together because why wouldn't they? No reason. Uh, also, finally, news cricket uh, this week uh, began a new promotion enticing customers to port their number to cricket. Uh, between now and December sixth, uh, you'll earn a one hundred dollar cricket shopping card. The card can be used for monthly service, handsets, and accessories at cricket stores. Cricket said it will now let customers combine this deal with an existing mail on. Mail-in rebate uh, promotion on select phones. Uh, also, the rebates are available through customers to customers through January seventh on those devices. The hundred dollar gift card is only available to new customers. In device news, just a single story: AT and T on Thursday announcing that it would issue refunds to customers that pre-ordered the LG Watch Urbane Second Edition. LG explained that it has postponed the launch plans for the device indefinitely due to a complicated nature. Uh, of an issue. Uh, the Watch Urbane 2nd Edition was slated to be the first watch to support built-in cellular connectivity features in the newest version of Android Wear. In software news, Apple on Tuesday made Apple Pay available to customers in Canada. Now at launch, only cards issued by American Express are compatible with the service, and the initial list of supporting retailers includes those that use American Express's wireless payment terminals, including McDonald's, Petro Canada, and Staples. It, uh, Apple has not said if or or when it will add the Visa or MasterCard payment networks to the Apple Pay uh, network in Canada. Uh, Apple also announced that Apple Pay via Amex is available now in Australia. There was no word on uh, when they'll get access outside of American Express either. So it's interesting because American Express, um, you know, obviously has somehow gotten kind of the the exclusive here for both of these countries, and uh, it was definitely not like that here in the U.S., no, and of course, uh, you know, we've seen the ads on TV for the uh, the new Samsung device that can do the payment, you know, through the air using just a, uh, now I can't remember that it's like the secure transport or whatever that uh, card technology is 
we definitely need to see that uh, coming from Apple. Even unfortunately, Samsung bought that company that created that particular uh, interface because the the adoption rate of terminals is essentially nothing. Uh, that I've not seen a single extra place. Uh, I know Best Buy has added them, and like one or two other you know major retailers, but it's just not moving quick enough here for uh, uh, for for any of this to make sense. Yeah, it, it's interesting, isn't it? I mean, I, I, I use my I use Apple Pay whenever I see that it's available just because I, I still it's very novel still. But at the same time, I mean, it has now been out for over a year and uh, we're we just don't have, uh, I think, the you know, the support that I think we all hope that we would be getting at this point. I mean, I, I can still tell you probably on two hands how many times that I've used it. I mean, it's it's at most been a dozen times. It's really not all that often. I used to think it was, man, yeah, maybe I'd use it a couple of times a month, but I, I, sometimes I think like, I have not used this in well over a month. I happened to use it this week because um, I was kind of fumbling around. I had a bunch of stuff in my hand and it was almost like a, a, a sigh of relief, you know, that I had when I saw that the, the merchant had a terminal and I said, is your Apple Pay working? Because a lot of times it's not, or at least sometimes it's not. And he said, yeah, it was. And so I just, you know, quickly, you know, pulled it up on my watch and paid for it. And the person I was with thought it was, you know, really novel and, you know, whatever. But I said, well, look, it's, it's convenient, right? It works out really well. But, um, yeah, it's just, it's going to take time here before this stuff. Uh, you know, I, I, we probably said that a year ago, but it's just, it takes time for the stuff to, to, you know, to make, make its way and for the technology to essentially get adopted by everybody. And, and it's still never going to be adopted by everybody, but we're, we're seeing strides, I guess. I guess so. But, uh, but of course this NFC payment is nothing new. I mean, you know, Android pay the Google wallet or whatever, whatever it's called these days, you know, that was years and years ago that they launched that service. And of course, NFC terminals were out even before that for for different, you know, NFC based payment methods. Yeah, that's true. And, you know, if I if I think back to, you know, how many times I've actually used it and how many I don't know that I've ever passed it by. So that's a pretty telling thing. And I guess I also don't I don't go a lot of places. I don't you know, I go to grocery stores and I I have one grocery store that I go to that that does accept it. But I think I've only been there once. Um, so, but the one that the main one that I go to does not accept it. And so I kind of out of luck and that's where I spend most of my dollars is at the grocery store. So, um, it is, um, it, it's, it's not going to, it's not going to increase in frequency until they were potentially to adopt it or I still shop, start shopping somewhere else. So there you go. Uh, on the Android side, Google rolling out an update to Google Photos for Android this week that lets people free up on-device storage by deleting local files. The new option is in the settings menu called Free Up Space, and it lets users set up an app to automatically delete local photos that have been backed up to the cloud. The feature is, of course, opt-in and ask for permission before deleting local photos. The F Google Photos app now supports deleting photos from memory cards as well. Google is rolling out a complementary change to the web-based version of Google Photos that lets people adjust the quality of shared photos after they've been backed up online. Google Photos is free to download from the Google Play Store. Google offers unlimited storage for high-quality photos or limited storage for full-resolution photos. And LG announcing this week that they're planning to offer mobile pay, a mobile payment service they're calling LG Pay. The company has signed agreements with the largest credit card issuers in South Korea, uh, and they say that it will work with all of its phones, uh, but do not describe the technology or what it will use to power the system. LG will launch LG Pay in Korea first, and the, that time frame, however, is unclear. 
Google on Tuesday said its mobile search application is now better at uh, grasping the meaning of searches thanks to new language recognition techniques. Google is now breaking down queries into smaller pieces to understand the semantics behind individual phrases so that it can assess the intent behind the larger question. Google says breaking down the request in this way lets it traverse the knowledge graph much more reliably to find the right facts and compose a useful answer. Google said that it is able to build it onto the answer even more complex requests. Voice search already understands superlatives like tallest and shortest, but now recognizes how dates play a role in determining answers and how things relate to one another in time. So for example, it would be able to put those together to answer questions such as who is the U.S. president when the Cubs won the World Series? Google said that the improved voice search will reach the Android and iOS mobile search applications in updates over the next few days. So here's an interesting thing about this. So um, I took this one even a step further, and I did something where I said, who was the U.S. president when I was born? And uh, so you would say, how in the world would it know that? Well, it, Google has got obviously a profile built on me, and I have my birthday inputted in there and I actually have the year and the date in there and that's correct and so it was able to then parse that information and pull up who the U.S. president was in the year that I was born so I thought that was kind of an interesting thing um, I also I, I needed to find out a very specific date um, this uh, this week and which was when was Thanksgiving in 2007 um, and I needed to know the exact day of the week and I guess maybe that would have that this is not you know these changes aren't things that it would have have solved for that. I probably could have figured that out before, but that was a very interesting thing that I could just do that. And I didn't have to, you know, try and go back and look at a calendar. I could just easily ask it. So that's, that's kind of where some of this stuff is going is that it's able to understand contextually a little bit better what it is that you're trying to say to Google. It's, uh, the, these requests are getting to be more like the, uh, the Star Trek computer and like, uh, you know, in the next generation, I mean, back when that show debuted in 1987, you know, the, you know, asking the computer to do these crazy things, you, you never would have dreamed that would have been possible on a little device you're carrying around everywhere you go that last you know days and days on a single charge and uh it, it's pretty amazing yeah i mean it's it is quite quite interesting how they uh how they've kind of gone through you know this iteration here from just a kind of simple search function to being able to just speak a request um there's a commercial right now i'm sure those of you that watch football saw it this weekend that uh there are uh with google now in the photos um, you can search contextually in photos for a specific word. So as an example, uh, they were this woman had taken a picture of a, a wrestler and he had a tattoo of a cat on his chest. And so she Google searched in her photos. She searched for cat and pulled up the fact that, you know, that this tattoo picture of this person uh, with a cat on their chest and like was able to tie in this picture of, you know, that she had taken from years ago with the one that she had just taken then. And that was kind of an interesting thing because that is, you know, we're not even, we're not talking about OCR at that point. We're talking about, you know, we're, it's it very, very different types of things. And then obviously contextually, what is it's parsing there in the images. And so it's, it's, it's just very fascinating how they're able to do that stuff. But uh, either way, it's still uh, very, very interesting here how we've trying to transition over from the, uh, you know, from the world of, uh, you know, just kind of general searching to what we have today. So very cool stuff. And uh, finally, in software news, Pandora on Tuesday said that it has agreed to purchase several key assets from RDO for $75 million. Uh, Pandora will be picking up RDO's technology, intellectual pr property, and select members of RDO's staff. The transaction does not include RDO's operating business, which has effectively end of life with the announcement this week. The deal is contingent on RDO declaring bankruptcy in California, and the bankruptcy court there will approve the Pandora-backed transaction. If approved, RDO will begin 
began to wind down its branded music service in all markets ahead of the acquisition closing. Pandora said it expects to use RDO's assets to offer an expanded service by late 2016. Questions and comments this week. First up is a question from Kyle. He says, hi, Mickey and Joey, longtime listener here. Thanks for your show and everything that you do. It's informative and I love both of your opinions on the mobile space. So on to my question, I'm a full-time student and I work full-time as well. Currently, I have a late 2012 Mac Mini at home as my primary computer for academic research. I use it for note-taking uh, in OneNote, uh, also document creation via iWork, and exporting to MS Office format to submit those papers. Also, activities on my school academic board and, of course, course-specific web pages. Also, I have an iPhone 6S Plus with the Logitech Keys to Go Bluetooth keyboard that I can use on the f- with the phone while I'm on the go. My employer is okay with me using my company PC, which is when seven when I studied during my lunch break, accessing my school's academic board, my course specific web pages, OneNote, and of course, I work for iCloud. With that being said, I'm trying to make a case as to whether or not I should get the iPad to supplement what I have so far. I have long since been under the impression that my phone can do just about anything that an iPad can, and uh, I have had a great experience so far with using the keys to go keyboard to be more productive on the iPhone at Starbucks, as an example. If I get an iPad, I would probably purchase a refurbished iPad Air 2 from Apple to save on costs. What would you recommend for someone in my situation? Would you be, uh, would I be able to enjoy the benefits of carrying an iPad and also my iPad Nano, i.e. S? 6, 6S Plus. Sorry for the lengthy note. Uh, I look forward to your opinions. Thanks, Kyle. Well, you know, this is a great question, and it's it's going to be kind of a difficult one to answer, um, but somebody who uh, just finished up with uh, school and, um, you know, mostly bringing my iPad to class with me for taking notes with the Bluetooth keyboard. I just have a really old, uh, what is that, um, a Zag? Zag. Or, uh, it was like also a Logitech rebranded one as well. But um, I, I think I brought a laptop once or twice for very certain uh, things that we had going on in class. Um, but you've got the iPhone 6S Plus, so that kind of throws the wrench into it because, yeah, you're right. That is essentially a uh, you know a really small iPad because you have the landscape mode uh, within it. So realistically, you have to take a step back and say, do you need two devices to use at the same time while you're doing whatever it is that you're doing? And, and I do use the phone and the iPad frequently together, either because the iPad's playing video or I'm watching something on it. It's kind of the entertainment source. Or I'm got something else on the iPad screen that I'm looking at and then also doing something on the phone as well, like pictures or photos or something like that. That's where, that's where you can make the justification. Um, on the flip side, like you said, you know, getting a refurbished air two, you can get these things uh, for a very good price right now. And of course the, with the slide over multitasking functionality, that's now in iOS nine, it does uh, definitely gain uh, some productivity that you did not have before. And of course, it's only on some apps. I don't even know if OneNote supports Well, OneNote probably supports it because of the Office. Uh, I, mean, I haven't even tried OneNote yet. Um, but the Office applications do right now, and the new, uh, the, the updated uh, iWork applications do support the multitasking as well. Yeah. So it's a, it is an interesting question, as you point out, you know, the iPad is one of those devices that uh, makes sense for a lot of people, myself included, uh, and also feels like overkill for, for many, um, you know, and, you know, I think about the iPad a lot of times as a laptop replacement. 
Um, like Joey, it goes with me a lot of places, although not as many as I think Joey takes his. But uh, And it does keep me communicating in, in many more ways than I do with my phone. Um, I use it for work purposes quite a bit. Um, I bounce back and forth uh, with the Bluetooth keyboard quite a bit. Uh, this week, I happen to have it on uh, and have been using it with a keyboard quite a bit. Uh, I find it a great way to be productive. Uh, definitely don't love that extra weight, but it's uh, it's great for kind of on-the-go email and, and just kind of staying on top of things if you need to be typing out full lengthy responses. That's definitely working well. Um, you know, in your case with the 6 Plus, you know, getting things done with the keyboard is, is certainly very similar, as Joey pointed out, because you've got the you know, the, the split screen view that, that you get there, um, uh, by turning it into landscape. Uh, but, uh, I, I think something with a bigger screen, you would, you would stand to gain, uh, some productivity from that, you know, from that standpoint, uh, and definitely get more functionality out of, of how you're using your device, uh, just by having, uh, you know, a fuller, a, a bigger, fuller screen. Yeah. And you, you know, for me, and of course, uh, you know, as we talked about, you know, kind of years ago, Mika, we haven't really mentioned this in a while, but you know, anybody that's looking at getting an iPad, uh, you know, really spring for the LTE variant because it really does enhance its, you know, usability and functionality just drastically. I, I could not ever imagine uh, having an iPad without it just because of, uh, of the value that brings to it and, uh, you know, always having that data connection available. And of course, even the better antennas than the phone have, it usually picks up LTE when the phone does not. It's just, uh, it, it's just really worth it. Yeah, I'm I'm with you there. I had picked up my original iPad Air without LTE, and uh, and it just yeah, it feels hampered. Um, it doesn't also have GPS, and so that's another thing is that it just doesn't do as well, um, as good of a job in, in finding your location as well. Um, not to mention a lot of times when you're out and about using it for a GPS, you don't have a Wi-Fi connection anyway. Um, so anyway, that that's um, you know that's kind of the kind of my my take on that as well. But um, kind of overall, um, I, I think your your take here on going with a refurbished iPad Air two is a great way to go. The cost is, is really quite low, and uh, and I think it's probably the best iPad for most people at this point. Um, you know, the the iPad Pro is awesome in, uh, in its power and its size and for a lot of different things. But one of the things that bothers me is that it is the same as most mid-range laptops, which if I think about my use case, I don't bring my laptop everywhere because it is so big. And uh, the iPad, on the other hand, is about the same size as a legal pad, much more convenient to take with you places. And so that's where I think it comes down to the decision process is, you know, as you're thinking about which one to get, it doesn't sound like you're t- thinking about the Pro, but, um, you know, I think the iPad Air 2 would be a, a great compromise for the size. Yeah, and I, I love my iPad Air 2 because I, I, I fairly recently upgraded to this from the iPad Air I uh, just found one fairly cheap on on eBay. Actually, a used one came from a pawn shop in Florida. It was like five hundred bucks or something for a one twenty eight LTE uh, version, and it's just uh, you know it's even lighter than the other one, and uh, you know I really do bring it everywhere I go. I mean, it's always with me. Yeah, and it's uh, I think that's kind of the biggest thing is you know if if you are looking to bring this with you a lot of places, which it sounds like you are, you probably want to go with something that's, that is going to make sense as far as the size of it. Um, you know, you, I I don't know how to say you would test it, but, um, you know, I, I I do definitely see myself using it more and more as, as time goes on. Um, I kind of go in spurts, like I said, where I'll, I'll kind of have it with a Bluetooth keyboard on it for quite a bit of time and then I'll take it off for a while and, you know, try and go that route for a while and, you know, try and kind of 
use it in a different way than I am when I have it on. I don't know. I just bounce around quite a bit. And it's some, sometimes I think, I don't need this thing at all. And then I kind of, I miss it. I, it's one of those things. And I guess that's really the thing is that, um, you know, when you, when you miss something, when you don't have it, that actually proves to you its utility. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, you going back to the iPad Pro again, of course, it is a new device, so we don't have refurbs. It's, you know, there's no sales on them yet. And they, they are fairly expensive, especially when you get up to the LTE equipped model, which, of course, is what I'd have to get, you know, via what I just said. And, um, of course, the pencils, what 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 I find really interesting about it is that it does have that, you know, maybe I'd say note taking capability where it is actually digital uh, completely. Um, you know, the style of support on a regular iPad is, you know, mediocre at best. It's, you know, just put it this way. You can get a stylus for it, but it, you know, really it's just not ideal. And, you know, using the Bluetooth keyboard is a much better way to go about it, except for unless you're doing some, you know, particular, you know, drawing, you know, kind of sketches, if you can do some really simple sketches, uh, in, you know, whatever sketching app you decide to use. But, you know, the iPad pro is just, uh, you know, there's probably not a lot of support even for pencil apps quite yet too. Yeah, well, I mean, there's, you know, at least half a dozen. There may be, I don't know, who knows, there may be 60 for all I know. But um, I know there's at least half a dozen that are out there that are, are you know, doing what they do. But uh, yeah, I, I don't I don't think that's where he's going with this. He's looking for something a little bit smaller. So, um, you know, I from my perspective, obviously, I use one. Joey uses one um, pretty regularly. And, uh, you know, it's 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 interesting because I, I bounce back and forth a lot um, with, you know, not ever really using um, a computer outside of at my desk at work. Um, you know, I've got, I've got a MacBook uh, pro at home. This is what I use for the shows and this is what I use for all my personal stuff. But a lot of times I don't even turn the thing on. Uh, it'll be, it'll be one Sunday and I'll turn it on and I'll have to download all of the iMessages and text messages and all the Dropbox photos and everything. Cause I just haven't turned it on in a week, which is kind of crazy for me to think about. Cause I used to, I used to be on a Mac essentially, you know, every morning and every night, you know, and I would, and now it's like, Oh, the, the iPad just kind of fills in for me and does what I need to do. You know, it's kind of when, you know, interesting you mentioned that I was just kind of thinking what I do with my iPad, even around the, the, the house here, I literally carry it with me from room to room to room, wherever I'm going. Like it almost, it's almost with me the whole time I'm at home. I, I carry it around with me either because I've got Netflix playing on it or just because I bring it around because that's how I see the email. Cause I, I always leave it, you know, on its stand, uh, with the, the smart cover. I'm not using the smart case with the iPad Air 2 because it was already had a little some a few dings around it and I just wanted to keep it as light as possible. So I'm just using the smart cover. And I leave it just, you know, sitting up and around in invisible sight uh, around. And then also uh, when I'm at work, I, you know, have it on my desk. But I whenever I leave my office, I almost always grab it with me. Uh, if I'm you know, unless I'm going to the bathroom, essentially, I bring it with me. So if I'm going to a meeting, that's what I use to take notes. That's what I use to look up emails. That's what I use just, you know, for during the meeting. And I usually bring it with me if I'm, you know, troubleshooting some equipment or something, because usually I'll be, I'll have to look something up online or, you know, whatever it may be, or connect to a server and change a setting. So I always bring it with me basically wherever I go around the office as well. And when you do that, I mean, obviously you, you've just got the, the, the smart cover, not the case. Um, you don't bring a keyboard with nope. you. I mean, how, how often are you using a keyboard? And, and if not very often, why not? What do you don't see the utility in it? Or you just, you don't think that, um, the speed that you get from a physical keyboard really is beneficial to you? What, what's your reasoning there? You know, I really like the keyboard. I can type of course, way, way faster on the physical Bluetooth keyboard, but I don't want to carry the thing around with me. And that's really it, you know, keeping it simple, keeping it, uh, you know, straight and narrow. If I need to, if I have to write an email, I will go back to my desk and really write a long email of, you know, if it's more than a few sentences, but I can touch type fairly quick on the, the iPad uh, on screen keyboard 
and of course I, you know, remote desktop into, you know, computers when I'm on the iPad. So I just don't really need a keyboard, uh, on the iPad. Interesting. I mean, I, I keep thinking about how do you, how do you get around that? And maybe I'm, maybe I'm, I'm overthinking it and maybe I, sh- I shouldn't be using the device with a keyboard in the places that I'm using it. You know, I, so here, here's an interesting one and I'm kind of calling myself out, right. Is I get ready in the morning and I brush my teeth and I shave and you know, st- all that. I, I have the iPad, you know, with actually in the bathroom, like on the vanity playing uh, either music or news or something like that. Like that, that is what I used at getting ready in the morning. Uh, but I, you know, so I've got stuff going on in the background and then I've got kind of email up and I'm, regularly responding and writing emails as I'm brushing my teeth and stuff like that. And I guess maybe that's, it's, uh, maybe I'm, I'm using it wrong. I'm doing it wrong. I don't know, but I, I find, I find that I use it actually quite a bit that way. Well, you know, and you have to, you know, also use it what you, what, what works for you. And for me, you know, having the Bluetooth keyboard, no, I never use this Bluetooth keyboard. I mean, like I said, I've got, uh, I think before the show, I, you know, bring it with me every once in a great while. I mean, maybe once every six months, I use the the Bluetooth keyboard for the iPad. If I've got a, a special meeting that I know I've got, a, I, I'll I'll have to be taking notes. I will bring it with me, and that and the iPad. And that's um, if I don't bring my MacBook uh, Pro, uh, MacBook Pro, uh, then I'll bring those two. But you know, really, it's it's uh, it's very rarely used. Yeah, I'm. That's interesting. Maybe maybe I need to go on a, a keyboard diet and uh, just check it out again and just try it. Like I said, I've got had the the keyboard on the the iPad here for the whole week, and or maybe it's the last couple of weeks. I don't even know. These weeks go by like days. Anyway, uh, so hopefully that that helps you out there. Um, you know, Kyle, I, I don't know if we've answered the question or made it a lot more complicated. I'm not really sure, but uh, you're the one who brought it up. So there you go. There's <laughs> <laughs> our feelings on it. I, I really do like the iPad. I mean, I, I love having the big screen for videos. Uh, I really do like it for that for that aspect of it because it really just does. It does give it a different experience than even I'm sure the 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 the, the six plus. Yeah. And you know, it's interesting. I, um, I use that. I use it for, um, speakerphone calls as well, uh, because it, it, the speakers on it work better than the, uh, the speakers I think on the iPhone, it's a much richer sound and it just kind of works out better. And so, um, I, I, it's, it is interesting that I, I use it for that purpose. Um, you know, because of course all the phone calls come through on it now. So that, that is another thing that depending on who your carrier is, Kyle, you may, you may see that as well, that you may get some, some benefit out of that. If you're willing to go with the LTE model, or even if you don't, you'll get it when you're on Wi-Fi. Finally today, a voicemail from Dominic. Hey guys, this is Dom from Oklahoma City. You guys are my Apple gurus, so I have an iPad question for you. All right, I work at a technology department at a school district, and we have a cart of laptops we like to loan out to people for when their computer is down or if they go to a conference. And right now, the way we check them out is that they come in and they fill out a, a piece of paper with their name and various other information on it and we filed away till they get back and I said come on guys we work in a technology department let's go ahead and make this electronic and make this more efficient so now I've decided to put this form on, on an iPad because I figured it'd be easy and it'd be portable and now uh, we've made the, uh, the piece of paper into a, a fillable PDF and I'm having a hard time trying to put the document on the home screen of the iPad. Uh, I'm not sure if I'm missing something. Uh, I've did a, I did a search for about 10 minutes and uh, I, I, I saw a lot of no's or a lot of it's not possible. So it seems like something this simple will be easy to do. 
but I could be missing something. So, um, is there a way to add a PDF or any type of document to the home screen? Hope you guys can help me out. Love the show. Came with you. Listen next time. Dominic, thanks very much for the voicemail. So this is an interesting question. Um, and uh, I'll just say I, I came up with what I think is probably the easiest way uh, for you to uh, to handle this this issue, what you're trying to do here. So, um, you know, the, what I would what I would recommend doing, uh, because you can you can probably find an application and actually probably the application that would be easiest to use would be iBooks. Um, and then from iBooks, you'd essentially have the PDF loaded into the device and go into, you know, go into iBooks and then load that. And that's how you would get to it. Um, if you want something that is like a single click on the home screen, though, what I would say to do is to um, upload the file to a publicly accessible URL. It could be a Dropbox, it can be a server, whatever it is that you want to do. Then uh, on that iPad, open up the PDF and after it load, and it'll do this through Safari because that's how the iPad works. And after it does this, click the plus sign at the top right corner of Safari, and then click on Add to Home Screen. And this will put a link to the PDF right on the home screen of the iPad. So this is what I would say is probably the easiest way to do this. So I went and found just a generic PDF on a website, and I did this, and it worked out perfectly. And you can rename it to whatever you want. So you could, you know, rename it to, uh, you know, fill out before you you take out laptop or whatever you want to call it and uh, that'll get you where you need to go yeah and the hard part about that is i'm thinking is then if you've got this uh you know pdf that's filled out you need to get into an application that can do the filling and i don't think you can really do that from safari on the ipad i, I didn't i have you know i haven't really tested that but you, you have, almost have to launch into a third-party application in order to, to do the the filling out the forms and then of course then what can you do with them at that point it depends on the application itself you can't actually put the pdf on the home screen you know the, the file because that's not the way springboard works you can't you know put files in there like you can on a desktop on a on a workstation for example so you know to me i start thinking about having a pdf form in this format and it's just not really the right thing to do at all i'd, I'd say more like a web service uh, you know, like a, 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 you know, a form that you create under a simple, you know, website, uh, you can host them for very, very cheap and, and, you know, put that into a database would almost seem like that would actually work better where you actually do fill it out through Safari. I, I, and I have the app that, uh, that can do this for you on the device and it's called PDF pen. Um, this is something that I have never personally used, but I've heard fantastic reviews of it. So it's from smile software, smilesoftware.com. go to PDF and then search for PDF pen and you'll see a video on how it works on there, but you can fill in sign forms, um, you know, and, uh, do all sorts of different things with them. So, uh, it's not cheap. It's 20 bucks, but uh, at the same time, it's going to solve this issue that you have. Yeah. in in then also, you know, SharePoint and things like that can also, you know, you can create kind of databases of, of forms and stuff like that as well. So I don't know, this, this may not be really easy to do on an iPad that, that this, this is a little bit of a tricky one, especially when you need to kind of send the, you know, need to send the form back out. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. Um, interesting though, how this is, you know, to your point, you're trying to use iPads to, you know, sign out other pieces of technology and yeah, it's like your, your technology department, you should probably figure out a way to do this with technology versus paper, but good old paper is certainly easiest in many regards. Well, sometimes it is, but, uh, you know, quick and easy, you know, web services, uh, you know, web forms and stuff really may be the, the way to go with something like this. I mean, uh, I, years and years ago, I'd have, you know, built an access database to do it, but uh, that's no longer the case. 
Yeah, no, definitely not. Uh, but certainly, yeah, I mean, I still have two main programs that I use that are just basically access databases and they're just hogs. They're just so unwieldy to use. But either way, um, fun stuff here. So uh, that that's probably where I guess we would go, Dominic, and uh, let us know how it goes for you and what you guys decide to do. If you have any questions for us, we'd love to hear from you. Questions at the cell phone junkie.com is the email address. Phone number 650-999-0524 if you'd like to give us a call and leave a voicemail that way. Joey, thank you very much as always for your time. We'll talk to you later. Thanks for listening. For more information about the stories you've just heard, visit us at thecellphonejunkie.com.